everyone. Welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Movie stock. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. Every episode of Movie Films will be worth five British pounds once I kidnap the Queen. <laughs> God damn it, Bill. Already off to a wonderful start. A wonderful start is what we're <laughs> off to this week as we finally get to a film that will inevitably grace the episodes of any movie podcast Especially one that talks about movies of varying quality. Everyone always goes to this film. But we can't get to that just yet. What's more important is how Steve's doing this week. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I dropped the Carousel trailer. Um, it seems to be getting a pretty good response so far. because uh, Especially because it was a movie that I didn't know what the trailer was supposed to be. Scott had no idea, so I just kind of sat down for one entire evening and racked my brain on just cutting the trailer. And I'm happy with the result. Yeah, it doesn't tell you a lot. And you got you show a couple little kill, couple kills. Shows off some kills. Shows off some of the silly. Yeah, the next uh, next slice, you see, you don't necessarily see who it is really well. So that's still surprise. Like still leads some surprises to oh, who died, who got their neck cut open. I don't know. I don't know. Who's this guy? Got his head broken open. I don't know. Lots of mysteries. I mean, you did spoil the, that the clown dies. Sorry. You fucking asshole. Clown dies. Um. But yeah, uh, uh, I posted last night at the time of this recording. I posted last night at like 10 p.m. And uh, already 3,000 people have seen the Facebook post about it. It keeps getting like liked. It keeps getting shared. It's gotten shared like 20 fucking times, which is great. That's great. Um, so if, so long as we keep Carousel popping up in people's news feeds and stuff and keep on starting to hit like the news sites and stuff with Carousel, uh, I think this can keep uh, hyping up and do okay maybe. All the hype. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the trailer, Bill? I liked it. All right, good review. I mean, as as a backer of this film, a financial backer, a producer of this film, uh, I mean, I gotta say, um, I like what you're doing. Uh, maybe I'm gonna talk to the studio though, and we might we might want to you know look get look at different getting a different cut made of it. Okay, you know, because the kids these days they really like you know quick cuts and stuff like that. My child, I mean, little little Johnny over there. He just really likes Call of Duty, so I'm thinking maybe put a couple Marine guys in there, shotguns, uh, maybe they need, are assigned by the government to take down this unicorn. I mean, does it have to be really be a unicorn, carousel unicorn? I mean, kids these days, they don't really dig carousels, but man, they really like Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> I take little Johnny to Lance Castle at the mall. He's playing DDR all the time off all the quarters. That DDR, that's what they call it. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Kids can't pronounce all these damn words. Fucking little Johnny little bastard. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, so can we just replace it? I mean, we got the technology, the computers. So let's just uh, take uh, uh, um, whatever the unicorn's name was. I, didn't, I don't care. I didn't pay attention. And we're just going to take him out, put a DDR machine in there, and we'll have a killer soundtrack. I mean, we can talk to uh, Konami about that. And it'll be a no-brainer. We'll get uh, Captain Jack on there, Dream a Dream. I mean, it'll just be killer. And then maybe maybe in the sequel, maybe we'll do an anthology film next time. Maybe that one will get the unicorn. I can't promise that. Uh, we're going to drop your film in January. It's a good month. Oh, you're done now? <laughs> I'm actually disappointed. <laughs> I could have I mean, listen- I I listened just, to you uh... for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Oh, improv my executive speak? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I could talk all about John R. Cherry and his decisions for Ernest. I mean, I can go into that, too. We'll get John R. Cherry on the film to re-edit it. Uh, get some, get some av- sick advertising money on this as well. I'm sure we can get all the uh, Isodopolis milk on there. We can get <laughs> some uh, Yeller. Toyota, Toyota dealerships on, on this. <laughs> and we also have the technology so we can just uh, crop out... Uh, Jim Varney from the commercial to put him in the film. <laughs> I mean, I am all you won me over now. Like, I will give you all the rights to Carousel if we're just digitally adding Jim Varney to the film. I'm gonna make the Jim Varney edition. <laughs> Jim Varney cut. <laughs> George Lucas made his special edition of all his CGI wampas and weird shit. I'm gonna make the Jim Varney edition of Carousel. The the, the edition that everyone is asking for and clamoring for. 3,000 people like your trailer. 300,000 billion will like mine. Yes. That's the power of Jim Varney and Mountain. Yeah, and Mountain. I was gonna say Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. Never be in this fucking movie. God damn it! I meant to say Meller Yeller. <laughs> Too late. God damn it! Now we I'm have already to committed. Do. I'm already committed. Fuck! I got admit. Now I got to make another edition of the film, the Meller Yeller edition, where we digitally take out all of the Mountain Dew cans and put in Meller Yeller. Perfect. Do we gotta quadruple dip these people in order to make any money? I mean, that's what Full Moon does. 
I do want to kind of tweet this to Charles Band, be like, "Hey, we like uh, Ginger Dead Man, so here's our version of a uh, object killer, and maybe he can learn how to make a fucking movie." I mean, it's not as good as uh, Evil Bong, but ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least Charles Band cares. It's more than I can say for Lloyd Kaufman. Oh man, Lloyd cares about making money. <laughs> Uh, Charles, uh, his quality is certainly dipped, but I feel like he at least still tries. And he I tries res- with a little money he gets. Right, he still wants to make the same profit margins that he thinks he's been making. No, and that's a fucking problem he has for sure. Sergeant <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kabuki Man Two coming soon. Oh man, I wish. Just gotta get Carousel take off. I need Carousel to take off, then I can get a bunch of money to make like a few more solid original films. Then I can kick open the door, Cho, and be like, "Hey, fuckers, I'm making Sergeant Kabuki Man two, and you can't say no because I have too much money." And they're gonna be like, "Yes, sir." And then I'm gonna make a good Sergeant Kabuki Man. You will be the Namco in this situation. I'll be Namco. You'll you'll back it and make a proper Sergeant Kabuki Man sequel, and he will. Make up for all his past transgressions and citizen toxicity. And then I'll bust into fucking full moon and be like, hey, we're doing a fucking Puppet Master. No, not that fucking reboot shit. This, oh, yeah, the, the reboot. I forgot all about that. I wonder the, what's going on with that. This Puppet Master movie is going to be all about the fucking Asian puppet from the first movie. He's, <laughs> he's the main character. Oh, I can't wait. Can we also get Optimus Prime in this as well? Yes. Murderous Prime. He was a Transformer. We can just make our own giant murder robot, call him Murderous Alpha. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to, you know, pay Hasbro for anything. We okay, so yeah, thing. we'll kick into, we'll kick down the doors of Asylum and say we're making our own <laughs> killer robot. I don't robot. think we have to really kick down the doors. I think you just walk right in. <laughs> just walk oh, okay. in. And be... <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, okay, I mean, how much, you already made it? Okay, we'll distribute it. Boom, it's on sci-fi and everyone's seen it. <laughs> Perfect. What kind of money did they make off that? Money. A surprising amount. But not as much as other companies, because they spend too much on their fucking budgets. That's surprising. Yeah. I mean, they do. Like, uh, they... Like I've said before, there's, like, uh, there's Asylum, then there's another, like, uh, sci-fi channel movie company in, uh, California, then there's another one in, um, like, Michigan or something. And, uh, the companies on each coast, you know, they make their fucking... C movie sci-fi movies for the sci-fi channel for about 500 grand and uh when the when sci-fi channel buys the uh licensing rights to screen it as much as they want they give them 500 grand which means they break even immediately which is cool but then they have to wait like a year or two in order to get the residuals from advertising and the dvd sales and stuff whereas the guy in michigan makes pretty much the same quality of film for like two hundred thousand dollars so when sci-fi gives him 500 grand he immediately makes money and then you can just reinvest that bit make another film make another 500 grand yeah Hey, man, that's a good way of working. Fuck yeah, it is. A lot better than what Charles Band complains about, saying, you can't do anything with your movies. You can't sell it Amazon, or, no, sorry, Amazon, uh, Netflix. Netflix won't give you anything for it. I'm like, well, maybe you should make movies that can air in sci-fi. Yeah. If they're giving out that kind of money. Yeah, seriously, absolutely. But nope. And like, and, like, he's right about Netflix, but, like, he's too focused on just that. Well, like, that, well he probably looks at it and goes, well, Netflix is in, like, three billion homes. I mean, three billion people see my film. Yeah, and I mean, that's fair, but the trade-off is then you're making no money. No, but see, if they watch on Netflix, they'll clearly go buy the physical DVD, Steve. Oh, I wish that was the case. I mean, people love streaming so that they can sample things to buy things, right? I wish that is how the world worked, but it's not at all. It's almost as if... People think streaming is better than physically owning something. Oh, it's kind of, uh, wrong. I'm gonna pay $10 a month instead of spending all this extra money on these movies. So I'm only gonna watch it once. Why? I've seen it once, even then. Why would I ever watch it again? Yeah, pretty much. Hate people who have that attitude. Seriously, Jesus fucking Christ. What do you mean you wanna watch it again? You've seen it. What? What? What's wrong with you? How you doing, Bill? I mean, I mean, are you doing anything else going on this week besides Carousel? Honestly, no. 
Okay. My life is carousel this week. You know, fucking cut the trailer. I'm going to be cutting some bonus features the next couple of nights, doing the commentary this weekend. Hopefully, Scott Lewis, uh, the cinematographer editor, can get me the actual video fucking file so then I can burn the official Wasteland DVD, uh, send that to Ken, uh, start working on the um, retail DVD so that I can order those so I can actually fucking get them in time, start working on the fucking Blu-ray so I can fucking burn 50 of those fucking things in my fucking house in like fucking one hour per fucking Blu-ray. I need to make at least 50 to make it worth my goddamn time. Because fucking Encore is retarded and doesn't fucking save the fucking files right. It's a great program, but whenever I reopen fucking Encore, I, it fucking crashes because there's too much fucking data. So I have to recreate the fucking Blu-ray whenever I want to make new fucking Blu-rays when I sell out. It's a pain in my fucking ass. So I have to fucking print 50 fucking Blu-rays in a row. And then I have to burn 50 fucking Blu-rays in a row just to have enough for fucking Wasteland of the next convention, maybe. So that I don't have to sit down and recreate the whole goddamn Blu-ray again. So what you're saying is we are putting the DDR machine in the movie? Yes. Okay. Yes. So be clear on that. Yes. I mean, My kid is going to love that. There's no fucking question about that. <laughs> it's a given. Well, I mean, Scott lives not that far from you. I'm sure you can get that file pretty easily. Yeah. So just kick, go over to his house, kick in his door, and demand that video file. Perfect. Right now. Give me that file. Put it in my hand. It just takes code. And dumps give it to me. Encore. Sounds like <laughs> Encore used to be, is Encore still a uh, channel network, a premium channel network? Maybe it was Encore, Showtime, Stars. There was Flicks. Maybe I if Encore still exists. I just mean Adobe Encore. Well, I mean the channel. I know you do. <laughs> oh, a bunch of fucking dumb nerds. Uh, my week nerds. is okay. Uh, as we discussed last week, this weekend was SummerSlam and the NXT uh, Takeover Brooklyn show. Uh, SummerSlam uh, continues to prove the same problem that we discussed when we talked about Disappointment Mania Dallas. Uh, having a show that's like seven hours long is too long. Yeah. And and you, you start getting to the point where the audience has been there for like four hours and then they're just dead and don't give a shit about anything they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, NXT Brooklyn was great. It was two hours. It was crisp. It was fun. It was a good time. I watched that last night and it was a great fucking show. It was so much fun. And, uh, so I mean, I may, I'll admit, I mainly watch it for, you know, Asuka and Nakamura. Uh, but even given that, uh, the rest of the uh, pay-per-view is still really good, because all the talent is really high quality, and they don't fuck around, and it's actual wrestling the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And also the Asuka and Nakamura fights were fucking great. Yeah, they were pretty good. I definitely enjoyed them. Uh, though I will say the uh, tag team match between the Revival and Ciampa and Gargano was match of the night for me. That's fair. I mean, that and was then, really uh, good, yeah. For SummerSlam, um... Rand, uh, Rand, uh, John Cena and AJ Styles was the match of the night. Yeah, that was good too. I think I leaned slightly more towards the uh, Finn Balor match, uh, per- slightly, like very slightly. That was, that was, my point on that is like that's not a bad match. I, it's is what I expect from the two guys. I think the magnitude of which Cena going down clean for AJ Styles in an arena full of people who are just dead set on thinking John Cena is going to win yet again. Uh, no, it sounded like a lot of the cheers were very 50-50, which I appreciated. Yeah, well, that changes a lot. That, that was definitely changing a lot throughout the, the match. Oh, that's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately when John Cena's music drops, it's like, John Cena sucks. <laughs> John Cena sucks. Yep. And then there's just all sorts of stuff. Then AJ Styles won, and that place erupted. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good that to see John Cena lose. But also, as as I respect Cena's like wrestling, but they play him too much too often as like the underdog, even though he never loses. They um, really haven't for a couple years. That's good. Um, but he has always excelled when he's actually in the ring with another good wrestler. Like he's not, he's never struck me as a guy that can make a, a good match with an average to bad wrestler. Whereas other guys mm-hmm. can still make good matches like that. Cena needs another good guy, but when he is against another good guy, he is great at like ring charisma and like moving the match and stuff. Yeah, to- totally agree. That's, with that. I mean, that's my yeah, that's my opinion as a guy who's not really a wrestling aficionado, but that's how it's always seemed to me. Yeah, it's not too far off. I mean, he's a good hand. He's definitely one of the best in the business, and he's one of the hardest working guys in the ever. And absolutely, yeah, with all the shit he does and stuff like that. But so I'm mad resp- I always had mad respect for John Cena, whether or not what he what, what in story what they're doing with his character. Oh yeah, I like John Cena, but I hate the John Cena character. 
Yeah. It's although that, like last year was really good because you got the United States Championship and was doing this open challenge thing to really help raise the prestige of that belt and was having phenomenal matches with a lot of people that you would never really see him have matches with because for the longest time he was in you know the upper upper card so he'd be having you know a lot of world championship match stuff and this time it's like hey I'm on the lower lower card so I can have matches with like Cesaro and Sami Zayn and all these people and it was it was good. fresh matchups worked really well for him mm-hmm. it was really cool. But enough wrestling shit. Let's get that shit out of here. Uh, we got some movie news a little bit this week. Uh, first off, uh, the rumored story for Transformers The Last Night has been pretty much confirmed as production moves to the uh, United Kingdom. Yes. Uh, the, general, the general plot of this film will be <laughs> Optimus finds out Cybertron's dead. We already knew that. Comes back to Earth in search of an ancient artifact that apparently gave Merlin his powers. <laughs> Which is fucking great. And, it, you know, it goes from there where there'll be a struggle for this power and then Megatron and all this other stuff. So, so one of the comments I read on this, uh, one of the news sites was hilarious because it was basically summarizing each film and each film's always the exact same. The Autobots must, must find X, yeah. a long lost artifact on this... Um, that is the only way to end the war between them and the Decepticons and bring peace to Cybertron. Mm. They find it on Earth along with the Fallen, the great, like the Revenge of the Fallen, the greatest enemy of the Autobots who's been prisoned here for a long time, presumed dead. And then the night, like everyone, it's like, oh, we fight, we fight alongside Sentinel Prime, who we thought was dead. Yeah. We fight Galvatron, who we thought was dead. We fight everyone who we thought was dead. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to last night. I, Age of Extinction was fucking rad. I can't wait. I also look forward to it. Fucking Optimus looks cool as fuck. I hope the artifact turns him into Nemesis Prime. Yeah, that's been my that's been my general idea. Ever since that first uh, teaser picture where it looked like Optimus, but he was kind of blackish and had purple eyes. I'm like, well, here we go. Here's an opportunity to turn him into Nemesis Prime. <laughs> yeah, let's fucking do this. We already know Cuckrod's in the film, so he can <laughs> fuck up something and become the leader and become uh, Rodimus Cuck. <laughs> uh, no, we need fucking... Uh, the true leader of the Autobots. Ultra fucking Magnus. Fucking A. He is the true leader of the Autobots. He's the one we deserve. And the one we need right now. That's true. <laughs> God, fucking and hot rod. I hope uh, uh, Ultra Magnus just shows up and he fights the Decepticons and everyone's like, Hey Ultra, why don't you fucking rip off their faces? And Ultra's like, Hey guys, I, don't think, I think that's a little messed up, guys. <laughs> It's like, whoa, this guy's more like Optimus than Optimus was. <laughs> I mean, we need to beat them. And, you know, if they die in battle, that's uh, that's terrible, but so be it. But I'm not going to go out of my way to rip off their faces. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but give me your face. Uh, <laughs> uh, second little bit of news for this week. Uh, looking like Doug Lyman will be set to direct Dark Universe for DC. Finally, it's moving ahead. Uh, so yeah, basically, Dark Universe is basically just like Dark, yeah. which has been in production for geez uh, before the DC extended universe like eight years. Yeah, it was like originally going to be one of the uh, like first DC movies, like alongside mm-hmm. Man of Steel and shit. Yeah, it was around the time that they were looking to do that. The Metal Men. This is also around the time when Jonah Hex kind of came out, but I know it was a couple years before Man of Steel, but still, that was like they're <laughs> looking at doing more C list films, and sadly, they still have never really done any of those. Mm-hmm. I would still really... I think a Metal Men film would still be a ton of fun. Yeah, especially if they, like, actually set it in, like, the 60s and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I am thinking that they finally went ahead to greenlight this for uh, two reasons. One, Jeff Johns being in the uh, driver's seat now, it seems, for the DC uh, Cinematic Universe. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he... Uh, say what you will about him, you know, for characters that he prefers, but he is a fan of a lot of characters, including smaller ones, so it's probably him helping push this team. Because he also is a big fan of magic. Um, Magic's pretty cool. Magic is cool. And also, the success of Suicide Squad, you know, ignoring Reddit and the internet claiming that it's a huge flop. It's made a lot of money for what the fuck it is, you know, a mostly unknown fucking C-list team with a few Mm -hmm. B-listers and, like, a couple A-listers. So, yeah, you got this other team that's lesser known characters by comparison uh that you can do a darker tone and darker story with and have some fun and experiment and stuff and if they call it justice league dark it has justice league in the title so like fucking easy money yep 
So yeah, yep, it, yep. it makes total fucking sense why they're finally moving ahead with this. Because if if Suicide Squad can make money, then so can fucking Swamp Thing. Hell yeah, Swamp Thing. I hope that they have some pan flute though for his theme. <laughs> That's me doing the pan flute with my mouth. I mean, it was it was great. We're gonna win a Grammy award just for that like little two second bit. Yes. I'm gonna sample that. I'm gonna make a make a beat for somebody to, to sing to. <laughs> It'd be the best. The best. Around. Uh, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. I mean, it's sad that we lost Guillermo del Toro, but it's, it's, it'd be nice to see the movie actually. He's still attached forward. to the project. He's just no longer directing, which is lame. Mm-hmm. This also confirms, this made me laugh, uh, that Doug Lyman is no longer working on the Channing Tatum Gambit film, which until reading this article that Variety put out, I had completely fucking forgotten. <laughs> I, remember, I remember talking about it on the podcast, and we're just like, Channing Tatum as Gambit? <laughs> Yep. And then there was all these talks about the film like falling through, but I had not heard about it since then. I guess it's still potentially coming out. Who knows? Probably never. The cards are up in the air as, as it will be. Uh... Ah! Ah! Uh, whoa, so whoa, said, are you I being Pee Wee Herman or the Joker? Um, Directed by Axel Braun, of course. Um, um, why are you serious? <sighs> Oh, yeah, fuck by pee hole. Yeah, so that's something he would say. <laughs> He's an- that's anarchy, man. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, wait, um. Who's rushing the haters? Oh, my God. Sugar. Oh, my God. Uh, part of me wants us to do an episode on that, but the other part of me doesn't want to give him any advertisement. No, if I was gonna, we were finally gonna like a episode on a porno. We're gonna watch something good. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Axel Bronze garbage. We need something that has Evan Stone in it. I mean, I said good. I don't know why Evan Stone's name comes up because he's fucking hilarious. He's my favorite. Yeah, he's hilarious. He's still in garbage movies. Well, yeah, I didn't say any Evan Stone movie. We have to watch the Evan Stone movie. (laughs) Yeah, Pirates. That's fair. Pirates. Ah, so good. So good. I quote that movie to this day. <laughs> and the best part of that movie was the PG-13 version they released, which is way better than the porn version. Because well, you don't have the porn getting in the way. Right? <laughs> and the abrupt cuts around the sex make it even funnier. I can imagine. Oh, jeez, this is a weird conversation we're having right now. Well, well let's move on to one. Uh, uh, sorry, Mary Jane, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, so we're moving on. Oh, to yeah, Mary Jane. Uh, not Redhead. Oh, Zero out of five. Not- I, you know, uh, quickly, uh, I'm more offended by the casting of Flash Thompson than I am about the casting of Mary Jane. Watson. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I am kind of offended because she's not a redhead. That's the only problem I have. <laughs> as uh, as people who don't agree with everything that either of us say, uh, there's no reason why she shouldn't be a redhead. Nope. Like, straight from a bottle, obviously from a bottle red. No reason why she couldn't be that. Uh, Steve... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it, you know the direct representation from the comic medium to film doesn't matter oh so long as she's tall and thin right yeah like, no shit that's <laughs> see, yeah everyone says that like you say talk about her descriptor she's tall and thin that's all that matters well then what what why does that stuff matter what does but that not, not, matter not her skin color or hair color or anything else <laughs> uh well, I don't know. All right, uh, visuals don't matter at all. Let's get a short, fat man to be Mary Jane. I guess let's get Danny the... DeVito to play Mary Jane. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> I was saved by Spider Man. I'm just picturing this now. I I didn't know I wanted it until I said it out loud. Now I want this. I mean, you can really put Danny DeVito in anything. So. You really can. Uh, he could be fucking anyone. He could be Mary Jane. He could be fucking Thanos. He could be the Penguin. Oh, no, not really. We tried that. I don't think he was necessarily bad. He just didn't have a very good script. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try Let's try Dan DeVito as the Penguin again. Except not Mutant growing up in the cleanest sewers Penguin. Mm-hmm. Let's have him be a monster Penguin. Except he's still Danny DeVito. Yeah. I think the, the pin I want to put in the whole... Uh, cultural casting of spider-man homecoming is people saying oh they're just going for a more diverse audience of, of you know people there's just like what an actual high school in the bronx would be and i'm like oh that's okay but if you think it's anything besides blatant um 
pandering by the studio. When you look at the cast, it's like, here's the white guy playing Peter, here's the Asian guy playing this, black guy this, uh, whatever the guy playing... Like, uh, yeah, like everyone's, everyone besides Peter is a different race. Yeah. It is very clearly a studio decision that those are the people they cast for those roles. Mm-hmm. To be, you know, uh, multicultural <laughs> and diverse racial casting. Right. Which... Again, like we've said before, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but it there's a point where it's just pandering. It doesn't feel natural casting. The reason why the Fast and the Furious films have such a wide range of, of diverse cast of people is because there's been seven films building up where you meet these you meet one character in each film, and then by the seventh film, yeah, you do have a very vast, you know, culturally different, you know, mm-hmm. cast of people. Yeah, and with this film, it's like. Well, let's. I uh, got our um, our race checkbox here. Let's go. It's got a black person. Ka-ch-ch. Got our Eastern Asian person. Ka-ch-ch. You know, it's just like what? Yeah. And pe- Suicide Squad don't... had a very diverse cast, and it was uh, it was never the point. Steve, it was misogynist. It had microaggressions, and uh, it had it had it had a Latino guy, but he was a gang member. And the Australian guy threw a boomerang, which was so good. Yeah, I know. But Sorry, it was these, it was easy peasy. You can't ple- you can't that. please these people. So I, I don't know. I, I you can't. Pl- everything is offensive, and everyone should be offended. Like it's everyone's an asshole. So let's end it at that. This is something we've been talking about two years. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk it forever. One of my friends just posted a, a question, just like, "Hey." Uh, because she uh, posted about, like, uh, gender-bent uh, characters and, like, fan fictions, mm-hmm. and someone actually said, like, uh, excuse me, uh, us in the trans community find the term gender-bending uh, offensive, and you shouldn't use it. And she was just like, when the fuck did this happen? It's been used in fandom for, like, 20 fucking years. How else do we, co- what else do we call it? Uh, you'll, you'll realize very quickly with the trans community that everyone, anyone and everyone, oh, sorry, what should I say here? Each individual person is offended by something different in that community. I mean, that's, there is no, that's just like, humans, you know? Like, <laughs> There's no community-wide accepted terms for anything. Some people have no problem with tranny. Some people think, think it's super offensive. Some people hate being called transgender. They, they'd rather be called transsexual. Some people hate being called transsexual. It's like, you, man, you... Pff, that entire group... Like, and there's plenty of people who will fully come up and say, like, yeah, fucking... So these people are toxic as fuck. Yeah, like, I, I know a, a few trans folks, and uh, none of them would ever be caught dead being called, a, like, a social justice warrior, or aligning with these fucking Tumblr arenas or anything. Mm. Like, they're, they're people, which is what they are. They just are a different gender than what they were born, and that's perfectly okay. Well, don't call them transgender. Just say if they are associating with being of the female gender, you call them female. That, I mean, that's what I do. It's easy. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy, in fact. You don't, you know, it's just like, oh, you're a male to female, you're female. Oh, you're a ma- you're a female to male? Oh, you're male now. Yeah. That's what you want to call, that's what you want to be, that's what I'll call you. It's easy as that. You don't have to, everyone has to do like, well, he's trans, I don't know, whatever. Uh, this is going way too far than I wanted to <laughs> talk about right now. Let's talk about something super important, and that is our film of this week. Steve, uh, what is your favorite Street Fighter character? Ken Masters. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anyone who knows me, I'm gonna say Armika. Oof, that's. I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good... You're asking me. Uh, I guess. Um, I guess Armika is great in the new Street Fighter game. Well, now that they finally added the story mode, that is. I guess Poison's part of the Street Fighter universe now. Yeah, she is now. Uh, Armika or Poison, which anybody who knows me knows that none of those things are surprising. Uh, <laughs> but Armika, all the way. I'm so glad she came back. Yeah, her and Zangief are, like, the best parts of the story mode of Street Fighter V. Like, seeing their clips make me want to buy Street Fighter V now. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting to pick that game up. Zangief breaks weapons by just yelling muscle and letting things hit his muscles. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's how it works. That's how it works. <laughs> but, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, we are finally touching on a cornerstone of all film podcasts, more specifically, bad film podcasts, even though as we'll get into this, it's not a bad film. 
said right off the top. Uh, we are talking about this week Street Fighter from 1994, PG-13, 1 hour 42 minutes, directed by Stephen E. D'Souza. Colonel Guile and various other martial arts heroes fight against the tyranny of dr- dictator M. Bison and his cohorts. Perfect. That is a one-sentence summary of this film, and it's not too far off. Yeah, it's actually pretty pretty good. <laughs> it's surprising. So, Steve, what did you think of Street Fighter? Um, Street Fighter is an overall fun, uh, very enjoyable, cheesy film uh, that does do some really annoying things to a bunch of the characters as a fan of the game. And yet, even with the uh, weird, sometimes mind-boggling decisions they made with the characters, is still a better representation than The Legend of Chun-Li that came out like five years ago. I think it came out like ten years ago at this point. Really? Let's find out. Uh, the Legend of Chun-Li. Legend yeah, let's look into Chun-Li. that. Find uh, out live right 2009. now. 2009. Okay, so seven years. Okay, so right in the middle of what we both said. Uh, which is all, one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. It's not very good. No, I saw, I remember a slight tangent, but the month before it came out, the Dragon Ball Evolution movie came out. Mm -hmm. And I saw that in theaters because I'm a fan of Dragon Ball, and I was just like, oh god, Dragon Ball Evolution, Jesus Christ, could you do an adaptation any worse? And then the next month I saw Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, and my opinion of Dragon Ball Evolution increased tenfold. (laughs) Because they actually tried uh, pretty decently with a lot of the characterizations, at least, even if they had weird like, origin high school stuff. After Act 1, it was actually pretty spot on, whereas The Legend of Chun-Li was, uh, uh, hey, go fuck yourself, Street Fighter. Hey, Chun-Li, she is a pianist. Uh, uh, Bison, he is a friendly-looking blonde dude. Yeah. He's super nice. What the fuck? Why is Neil McDonough and Bison... So clearly Street Fighter from 94 is a better, better adaptation of Street Fighter 2 than Legend of Chun-Li was. Absolutely. Because as this film immediately says right at the top, based on the hit video game Street Fighter 2. Yes. And that's what this one's based on. But that's my overall uh, thought. What about you, Bill? What do you think? Is my overall thought is that this movie, uh, this movie's goal is to be a fun action comedy. And it succeeds... Perfectly on being a fun action comedy. So it's a good movie. It, it, it fits its goal and it does it. Yes. And that's that's my stance on it. I, I do not agree with it being a bad movie. No, it's not a bad movie. It, it is it, still... It, 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 people can argue that it's not a good uh, representation of the characters or the game. Uh, but as a movie, I don't think it's bad at all. I do not either. That, that's, that's the whole crux of why we're talking about today. Because I feel like this is a film that gets brought up all the time on Bad Movie Podcast and is just torn apart, and I don't think that's fair. No. I think it's the same time when people rip apart Last Action Hero. I'm like, but it's a comedy. Yeah. The tropes are there for a reason. Right. That's the joke. Like, if you watch this and you think M. Bison is supposed to be a legitimate threat, like an actual threatening villain, and not what Raul Julia did brilliantly, then I think you missed the fucking point. I mean, he is a threatening villain, but... He's more Bond. He's more Bond villain. Yeah. And but like that cranked up to eleven, which I think is very appropriate Extreme, for the like this film. Extremely appropriate. But let's just uh jump into the positives of Street Fighter. Okay. Uh I have Vega. Lots. Uh that's my biggest positive. Uh the representation of Vega in the film as little as he has to do is so fucking spot on that every time he showed up I was really excited. He's just this yeah. fucking super handsome fucking Spaniard that's built as a motherfucker with his snake tattoo and his sweet-ass mask and claw and just, just so fucking cool. It is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> that's the one thing, that's my positive. I feel even though maybe their interpretations of the characters story-wise is off, I will give the film major props Visual. for visually. Yeah, yeah vis- visually all the characters are like on point. Yes, absolutely. Honda looks like Honda. Uh, Balrog looks like Balrog. Even has the hair cut to the point. Uh, Cammy, when she shows up, has the hair. Might not be wearing you know the full leotard look going on there, but you know uh, Chun Li gets in the costume, has the buns. I mean, Ken and Ryu have to have the gi- the colored geese on. And Bison is M. Bison. <laughs> looks awesome. That costume's amazing. <laughs> it really is. And the badass Belgium Jean Claude Van Damme has a giant American flag tattoo on his bicep. Yes. 
Yeah, aside from the fact that a Belgium is playing supposed to be the most American fucker in the world, uh, he's still a joy in this film. I have to be completely honest. It is no secret that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was coked out of his fucking mind during this production. No secret. He has said it himself. He says he doesn't remember much of the film because he's been doing lots of coke. And I don't care! He gave a good performance. Yeah, he was great. It was, it was, it was a blast. It was really funny and everything. <laughs> I, 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 I love him in this film. I love his like garbage one-liners. and. <laughs> Guy, are you okay? Well, I'm half dead. And Bison? All dead. All dead. So fucking good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, another big positive uh, that I think I think we need just need to get out of the way so that we can gush about him is Raul Julia as as a whole, as an entirety, as a concept, as a character actor, as a performance, as a presence. Raul Julia is what makes this movie so fucking worth it. Yeah, he is the heart and soul of this film, especially the quote-unquote comedy part of it because he is so huge and bombastic and like all of his dialogue and how he delivers everything he's he's chewing scenery right left but i think that is so called for for the this interpretation of M. bison mm-hmm. i mean oh, his speeches his little like so everything oh man I, I yeah gushing is definitely a word i'll give for Raul julia for this film for a final performance he was acting his fucking heart out. Absolutely. Like, and he did this movie for his kids, too. Like, He did. And many other actors in this role I don't think would give it their all. No, absolutely. To, to the point that he did. Yeah. Not saying the, the other actors in this film. I think the other actors in this film definitely did, did the best they could with what they had. Mm-hmm. But Raul Julia definitely elevated. Like, we've discussed before how an actor can take kind of to garbage material and just elevate it to a whole another level uh like billy zane and um william sadler did and uh demon knight yes and that's that's what i think that's it's another case here Raul julia has this stuff and he's like just giving it so much life and energy especially for the fact that he was fighting stomach cancer at the time mm-hmm. i mean there, there are actors in perfect health that can't deliver a performance like this right absolutely it's he just absolutely oh it's so fucking cool like he did he knew what this movie was and he gave an 11 out of 10 performance with it he ate up the scenery he was over the top and he looked like he was having so much fucking fun while battling stomach cancer at the exact same time mm-hmm. like he just... every time he's on screen i'm happy in this movie <laughs> something wrong colonel you come here prepared to fight a madman, and instead you found a god? Oh, <laughs> uh, the, the fucking Tuesday monologue. Oh, the fucking Tuesday. After all of Chun-Li's talk about how she, it, Bison destroyed her village, and then his this delivery of the the day Bison graced her village was the worst day of her life. For me, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> Just so fucking dismissive. Oh. That immediately reminds me of Gremlins when Phoebe Kate does the whole speech about her father that uh, Santa Claus killed and you know broke his neck and died in the chimney. And it's like I can't think of Christmas the same way. But in Gremlins too, she does the big long speech. It's like I'll never be able to think of Abraham Lincoln's birthday the same way. Yeah, <laughs> so good. It's like that's a like a great button on a bit where it's like you get this here all oh, man this heartfelt thing about Chun Li. It's just like that was a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> And it's such a bison line, too. It is! That is absolutely what bison in the games or anime or the movies, the animated movies, I mean, uh, would also say. Like, bison is pretty much in character, just cheesy in this. Yeah, he's egotistical yeah. to, like, a, he's a fucking, monstrous level. He's a fucking fighting pad for the mines. He actually says, game over. Game over! Oh my god! That's, there's a, that's a good little Easter egg, too, how his flying desk is basically a Street Fighter, two fighter, like arcade cabinet. Setup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, on one part, when um, uh, Balrog, Honda, and Chun Li are doing the magic performance thing, the, the, the cap of the drum that Chun Li goes in says Capcom. It just on says it. Capcom, yeah. There's, there's some fun little, fun little Easter eggs in the film. There's a lot of fun Easter eggs, yeah. I definitely feel that everyone in the production cared. Yeah, I definitely get that. That's why you can always say I think I don't think they failed. I don't think they made a bad movie. I think they were aiming to make an action comedy, and that 
um, uh, D'Souza, that's what he was aiming for. And I think I, I still really, that's why I'm going to keep going back. I think they really delivered on what they wanted. Yeah, I think they succeeded at exactly what they were planning to do. The action stuff was a ton of fun. The martial arts sequences were well choreographed and looked pretty rad. Yeah. I mean, the fight between Guile and Bison looks good, even though obviously <clears> they're <throat> using a lot of stunt double work for Raul Julia because you can't expect him to do all this work. And there's also some wire work and all this other stuff, but it's all done rather well, in my opinion. I think so. A lot of good uh, hiding, you know, the stunt actor's face and working with, you know, John claude and all this stuff. Uh, Bison's doing a Psycho Crusher with his sweet electromagnetic boots. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. Like, like and even then, like, all I, the attention to detail, like, all the characters are doing, like, a lot of their uh, signature moves and stuff like that. Like, um, Kenda, uh, what do I, I forget the, like, uh, spinning uppercut that uh, Kenda. Oh, Shoruken. The Dragon Punch. Shoruken, yeah. That's right, that's right. He does that. Um, Rio does the Hadouken. Oh, kind of. Well, yeah, but one one unfortunate thing is that this they were clearly like, oh, no supernatural stuff. That's fine, but they still give him the move, and it's still like implied that that's what he did to 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 Vega. Yeah, and I thought that was cool. Like, there's a lot of cool touches. Like, there's cool touches for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that's really cool. They didn't have to do that, but they were clearly still cared enough to still be trying to translate these characters, like definitely visually, and then in some ways. You know, they're still, like, I guess in the fight. Guile does his flash kick, which is cool. Yes, exactly. You know, and just... I don't know. I I think that's really cool, and it shows that there was a lot of attention to what they were doing, Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily think a lot of people give them credit for that. No. And I thought that was cool. And then, I think another shining star of the film passed in Bison is Zangief. Oh, absolutely. He's not in the film a lot, but that actor is incredible. He is Zangief. And everything he is given to do is amazing. Yes. It is so Zangief. Um, uh, yeah, because uh, one annoyance is that he's a bad guy in this. Zangief was never a bad guy. But I appreciate it because Zangief has always been really fucking stupid. Yes. And they sell it really well by the end where he's just like, uh, the enemies of freedom are outside our doorsteps. Like, are you an idiot? Bison is the enemy to freedom. Well, why did you work with him? He paid me. You got paid? That line. I, lo- I love that line. My he looks line. off into the distance. His eyes are all starry. I know, he's like, what? <laughs> I, I'm not a bad guy. And then he saves the day. Fuck yeah, with muscle! Yes. yes. Oh man, he walks up. His pants. Oh my they god, really quick, change the... the channel. My favorite fucking yeah. joke. That, that was, I was just say, that's my favorite joke from Zangief. And probably my favorite joke in the film is the truck's racing down and he's on the television screen. He's, quick, change the channel! And everyone just looks at him. <laughs> like, he is dead serious. He thinks that was, that would help the situation. Everyone's like, oh my god, this guy. <laughs> yes. I think that was rad. And off the off that, like there was a good a lot of good stunt work in the film, as I talked about the Ian Bison fight with Guile. Uh, a lot of good practical explosion stuff. There is some obviously some early CG, but it's used sparingly, so it's not terrible. Absolutely, yeah. I don't mind. There are plenty of movies that have early CG or is used so sparingly that you either don't notice or actually does hold up decently well. Yeah, like the uh, the camouflage like jet boat. Yeah. Like that, you know that. Yeah, you can clearly tell it's some early CG, but it's not terrible. Like the mines, the satellite from space isn't too terrible. Like it, it, it's still, yeah, it's used sparingly enough that it's all, all a okay. But there's, you know, when um, there's still like practical like uh, screen effects when it came to like Bison's electricity mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That was cool. Oh, um, uh, second favorite joke of the film is uh, that's great news, General. Congratulations. On the contrary, I mourn. Okay. <laughs> DJ is awesome. <laughs> DJ is fucking fantastic in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely, he's so much fun. Especially uh, the the end joke for him, and he thinks he's getting a severance package, and it's just it's just bison dollars. Hey, those are gonna be worth five British pounds a piece. Well, that's that, that's the price the royal bank will establish once I kidnap the queen. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then uh, Sagat's like, you know, you're fucking crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, Sagat's also awesome. I love the actor playing him. He always shows up in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he does. Uh, it's it's um, Steve Hootie. I think that's how you pronounce it. I hate IMDb's cast listing. It always looks like garbage. It, it, uh, it does. That's here. true. Uh, well, sorry, West Duty. West Duty. That's right, yeah. Uh, he's been in stuff. He was, he was the Sphinx in Mystery Man. He always pops up in a lot of stuff. Yeah, my favorite role of his is the Sphinx. <laughs> yeah, Sphinx is so good. <laughs> so good. He can break guns with his mind. Yeah, but I mean, all the casting of people is always is a lot of fun. Um, 
of course, Raul Julia. Jean, I know, so let's, let's, let's back up to Jean-Claude. Yeah. Jean-Claude's kind of the uh, star of this ensemble cast right next, right up there with Raul Julia, obviously, because he's one of the, the top billed actor in the film. Mm-hmm. I love Jean-Claude Van Damme. I do. He has made his fair share of terrible movies. Yes. Uh, I would not put this up there of one of his best performances. No. But I think the tone of the film, again, the action comedy, he is he's perfect for it. Yeah. And again, like he, uh, this is an over-the-top movie, and he is over-the-top in this, you know? Yes. Like, there's no question. Like, he was coked out, but he still knew what he was fucking doing the whole time. Even if he doesn't remember what he was doing. I mean, from the very introduction of Guile, uh, fucking telling Bison to fuck off on live television. <laughs> yeah. That was a big ploy, is to, like, try to track his signal. Yeah. Track his signal. Oh, okay, no, um, no, no, I gotta save that, never mind, sorry. I was about to say something, but that is a negative, I'm holding off, we're, we're in the land of bright positivity right now. Uh, which, there's a lot to like in this movie, like, it's, it's fun, it's funny, you know, <clears throat> um, I think... Almost all of the castings are actually really spot on and good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, and it this is technically negative, but just since we're on the specific topic, I think it's kind of weird that they randomly decided to make E Honda Hawaiian instead of Japanese. Well, he's still a sumo. He's still a sumo, but I don't know. Just struck me as weird and just weird. But that's all. Well, they need they needed uh, they had they already had enough Asian guys in this film. Too many so. Asian guys. Let's get a, let's get a, you know, Samoan. <laughs> um, I don't know, what other specific positives? I like the pacing of the film a lot. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that's what I had down here. The pacing. This film flies by. It does not feel like it's an hour 40 minutes long. There is never a dull moment. It is always going, 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 but it doesn't feel rushed. Everything, ha- everything has movement and purpose to what it's doing, at least for the story of the film. And I, I really, I definitely really dig that. That's a huge positive for me. Yeah. Because I think of a bad film has bad pacing. Agreed. Most often. Most often. Because sometimes that's what makes it bad. It's they're just sitting there bored. Like, uh, can we move? Can we get a, move on? Can we get going here? Come on. I got I got places to be. <laughs> I got DDR to put in movies. I got things to do. <laughs> I got time for your, your shitty ass pacing. But no, this film, boom, flies by. Uh, I enjoy that while in prison, Vega made a shitty claw for himself. Yes, out of little bamboo <laughs> sticks and stuff. <laughs> I don't know where that popped in my head, but I was just like, oh, I have to mention that. It's one of my. Oh, that's another favorite joke of mine. Um, so, the Security Council comes and, and fi- basically fires Guy and says, you can't take, you know, they're going to negotiate, he can't take his soldiers. So, he gives a big rah rah speech about how they want to stay here and not take, you know, go kick Bison's ass. So, the. Uh, I think the security chief guy is on the phone. So I was like, I told him, and uh, I didn't. He didn't take most. Most of the army's still back here, and the cuts to uh, uh, just a chef sitting alone in like this empty like lot. Yeah, <laughs> like there's some pots like looking around. Like where is everybody for food? And there's a random cat walking. I don't know that joke. That's a really good joke. That, that, that doesn't need to be there, but it's funny. Yeah, it's it's obviously intended there to be a good laugh beat, and it works really well. It worked. It worked for me. <laughs> Also, like Zang- Zangief and Honda fighting each other, and then they Godzilla fucking sounds. Yeah, they're like tearing up the the display of the the Bisonopolis or whatever the fuck it was called. I hope that they made the uh, food court bigger before they destroyed it. I hope so, because all the big franchises will want in. <laughs> uh, what I liked most is at the end of it, Honda's like, "No, oh, sorry, man, can't play anymore." It just leaves. <laughs> Zangief's like, "Wait, <laughs> fight me, coward!" Oh, that's so good. The movie's just so so fun. It is. That's it's just oh, like I'm sitting here. Just, I'm just watching fucking Bison's suit bringing him back to fucking life. Oh, that was yeah, that, that that's such a good touch too because you get two lives. Yes. So he knocked out and he's like, "Begin level one resuscitation." Oh, that didn't work. Let uh, shock him. That didn't work. Adrenaline. That worked. And then, then that's yeah. Then we get the course the. That's all. That's uh also like a slight reference to how in the anime Bison changes fucking bodies all the time. Whenever mm-hmm. he dies, he just comes back in another body with psycho power and shit. And since you know no psycho power in this, as we just discussed, but Bison died, but he has a bunch of shit in place to make sure he comes back. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Especially the uh, the PS of the film. PS of the film was pretty cool. Oh, the PS made me laugh. I had no idea there was a PS, and then I found out, I just actually read today, uh, that in the theatrical version, they cut that out out of, you know, like, in respect to Raul Julia since he just passed, and they put it back for, like, 
the more recent home releases and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the post credits made me laugh. Well, I think it's been there forever because I remember on the VHS. Okay, release. maybe they just waited for the home video release. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it was definitely on that. Is always, in, I'm pretty sure, is also on television, which would make sense. When like cable and stuff, and they showed the film. I definitely remember seeing it before I bought the DVD and stuff. Okay. So it's always been there, but that's pretty cool too. It's just like a, it's a classic a PS at the end of the film where a hand busts out of something. It's like, oh, he's alive. Oh. And similar to Masters of the Universe, there was no sequel to this film. <laughs> Which, um, I think, on it, because it made money, I think the only reason why they didn't was because of Rao's passing. It could be. It could also be that this film was critically slayed. Uh, yeah, but if a movie makes money, don't give a fuck. That, I know it's yeah. true, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. I mean, it had a budget of $35 million and it made $100 million in 1994 yeah. money, you know? Yeah, totally. So, like, I think if Rao survived... Um, was able to beat stomach cancer. A, that'd be great because I miss Raul Julia as an actor. But also, there probably would have been a Street Fighter too. Yeah, one would hope. But then there could also be an issue with actors and stuff like that because it's one of those things where maybe they signed everybody on to a good deal for the first film, and when it came, this is this is really kind of happened with Iron Man two, how they had to fire um, Terrence Howard for the act. Yeah, they had to fire him because he was the first actor hired for Iron Man. And so for Iron Man 2, because of the contract, he'd be making more money than Robert Downey Jr. So like, okay, we're going to have to let you go. Yeah. Get, get a different actor in here and take care of that. <laughs> but it could be a similar case here where they obviously they have such a huge cast of people that they might, contract-wise, it might have cost too much to bring him back for a second film. So like, eh, fuck it. I mean, maybe. But they could have recast it, especially in the 90s. They didn't give a fuck about that at all. Oh, especially when we get on to next week's film. Yeah. With its equal film, they clearly did, did not, not give a, a shit. Uh, let's just make, good, sure good these, point, good let's just make sure these two actors are the same, and the rest, fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> That's a good point. I totally forgot about that. Good job. Uh, apparently, Capcom always envisioned Jean-Claude Van Damme as Guile, and asked him to be cast. That's awesome. <laughs> so weird. That... I mean... Outside the accent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's the only thing that bothers me. Like, I watched it with my wife, who'd never seen it before, and she outright asked, like, is he trying to do an American accent? I was just like, no. No, he is not. That's just how John claude sounds. That's how he sounds all the time. Badass Belgian <laughs> bastard. Doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. About anything. But I, like, that's what, that's another good laugh for me. It's like when he does the uppercut to Bison, you see, you gotta flash that big fucking American flag tattoo on his <laughs> Oh arm. my god, it's I laughed like, so hard. Just punch Bison as America! Yeah, big fucking muscle American <laughs> arm, even though it's a fucking villager arm. But what's so funny is because clearly the, the, the AN forces are multinational. Like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He, he could, Gaio could just be Belgian, but no, he's American motherfuckers. That's right. how the characters in the game, so this is what we're doing for this. <laughs> Doesn't matter if we cast a Belgian actor. Doesn't matter at all. Fuck it, doesn't matter. Uh, so we talked, we've talked plenty about positives, so I don't want to <laughs> overstay welcome too much. Uh, negatives. Uh, negatives. I mean, as a fan of Street Fighter, uh, Street Fighter and Tekken are my two favorite fighting franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a Street Fighter fan, my biggest overall negative, which just applies to a lot of the characters, is just how they didn't give a fuck who the characters were. With the biggest offenses to me being... Chun-Li, Ryu, and Ken. Now, in Street Fighter 2, were their characters that fleshed out? Um, by the point of them making the movie, yeah. Okay. Well, I was just one of those things I was curious about. Because I'm not, I'm not up and up on, like, the fucking lore and story behind the games. Or, you know, similar when it comes to mm-hmm. other fighting game franchises. So I didn't know how much was fleshed out by Street Fighter 2. and whether I mean, not as much as the later games or the anime series, obviously. Uh, but enough where, like, you know, Chun-Li was a fucking Chinese detective and shit, uh, tracking down Bison. Like, the backstory is mostly accurate, but the fact that she's just randomly a reporter with these other two guys. Uh, Balrog was always absolutely supposed to be one of fucking Bison's right-hand evil motherfucking men. Um, Mm. like, he was always one of the last four bosses, because he's one of Bison's generals. Um, uh, Sagat and Ryu's rivalry was in the first Street Fighter game. And super continue in the Street Fighter 2, and that they don't even know each other in this. Um, mm-hmm. Ryu being and Ryu and Ken aren't fucking weapons dealers. <laughs> uh, fake weapons dealers, granted. 
but like yeah, there's there's hustling. But they they still had the backstory that like they were trained by like one of the greatest martial artists of all time, and they're just continuously trying. They have a friendly rivalry where Ryu's trying to be the strongest fighter in the world, and Ken is just his rival, but much lighter and stuff. I mean, the way they talked to each other was character accurate, but the way they were portrayed and really shoot off to like the background uh, just mm-hmm. uh, bugged me a little bit. And like yeah. I said, that, that applies to all the characters. Sagat, also one of Bison's generals in this, is consistently telling Bison to fuck off. Um, also, Sagat's one of the strongest fighters in the fucking world, but they cast a really skinny, small dude. Which I don't care that much, because I love the actor, and he's great at it. Yeah, well, they kind of interpret, like, he was the big, <laughs> He used best, to be like, the best, fighter. yeah. Yeah. and the, No, no he's, he's, he, he could be. He could still be the best. He just decided to retire. True, true. It wasn't that he got defeated, obviously, because he's not dead, but he just decided, no, I'm okay. I reti-. He's like, I retired. And what happened to him? He became me. Um, the fact that uh, in the games, uh, Guile's best friend is Charlie Nash, and in this, they just randomly decided to name Blanca Carlos, and for some reason, Charlie is a nickname for Carlos. Yeah, they, when they bring, that's one little thing. It's like, Carlos, Charlie. I'm like, mm, mm, Really reaching there. I think Charlie's the dude you just killed, Bison. That's quite a leap. <laughs> Leap with your electromagnetic boots <laughs> instead of your bison. <laughs> um, and also Dalzine being a scientist. Because, yeah. like, even though, like, Street Fighter 2 and, like, ongoing in the series, Dalzine is, like, fucking god-tier levels of, like, yoga magic shit. Um, well, thankfully he was chained up, so he had those rings on him. Yeah, I guess. What happened to his hair? It burned off. Oh. Dalzine was the weakest in this of all the character interpretations. Oh, I was gonna say, I like my biggest negative is Dalzine and um, uh, Blanca. Blanca. Yeah, you were Blancaing on the name. <laughs> well, it's because it's not on the cast list, obviously, because it's mostly just makeup special effects on. Something. No, yeah, Blanca was terrible. Yeah, because Blanca was just like some mutant that lived in Brazil, and I can I can uh, pass the idea that Blanca was like Bison's. Uh, super soldier thing in this, but he just mm-hmm. looked terrible and he did nothing anyway. So what was the fucking point? Yeah, that was. If there was one weak point, it was them trying to make sure they get Dulcim and Blanc on the film. I think everyone else works a lot better. Even the fucking T Hawk just being like a dude hanging out with absolutely, uh, yeah, and Cammy. That's fine. He's, it's still it's like oh cool, there's T Hawk. Oh yeah, that's and fine. they axed Cammy's like um the doll storyline for Cammy, but I don't care because she's still a badass British soldier, and that's what Cammy is. Yeah, she's still kicking butt. So, yeah, even though she's played by an Australian. Hey, whatever. She did a British accent well enough. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not too. It's far not off too far off. Yeah, I don't. I'm just saying, she did good. Good job. Yes, uh, by the pop star Kylie Minogue. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Dalsim Blanca stuff. That's one where it's like, oh shit, how are we gonna work these in? Uh, Bison's making a super soldier out of Guile's friend. Oh yeah, we have to establish his friendship. Uh, when he's on his way there, he's watching home movies. That's how we established their friendship. Also, Guile really fucked up in the news. Like, uh, we're coming for you hostages. Charlie, hang in there. Like, yeah, tell Bison directly the person you care most about. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's the best idea. You get right on that. Jesus Christ. Good job. Good job, Guile. You, you American-Belgian motherfucker. He was coked out. He wasn't thinking. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Um, I don't... I guess that's my biggest negative, really. It's just the Blanca Dalsim stuff, and then obviously for you, the character stuff. Yeah, and, like, it doesn't affect me too, too much, and and again, again, this was a better adaptation in, than the fucking Legend of Chun-Li movie. Because, like, in this, she's a reporter instead of a fucking detective, but at least she's still a super-trained martial artist, whereas in the Legend of Chun-Li, she's a fucking pianist, and that's it? Yep. Uh, I mean, the one thing, uh, the two things that I will grant The Legend of Chun-Li is that they put fireballs in it, and it was mm-hmm. nice to see Robin Shu again in a movie. Right on. Um, but that's it. That movie was a piece of fucking dog shit, and I never want to watch it again, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, Chun-Li was, like, super white-looking. Apparently she's, like, part Chinese, but I don't care. It comes down to what you look like, and she did not look Chinese. Her thighs are not even... Oh, my God, yeah, this Chun-Li is built way better than the Chun-Li in Legend of Chun-Li. Legend of Chun-Li, Chun-Li would look like a fucking stick. This Chun-Li does look like she could kick my ass. Yeah, she at least had a uh, a good build to her. For sure. Uh, so I think, I don't know, if we, any, any uh, final thoughts on Street Fighter? Um, Like I said, like, not... 
while it is, uh, again, a better adaptation than The Legend of Chun-Li, it's not a super great adaptation. You know, they change up a lot of the characters, they change up a lot of the motivations and how the plot works, but it's still a really effective, fun uh, action comedy movie. Um, I think the action's good. I think the humor is absolutely there. And as we uh, said, visually, uh, they definitely get the characters right. You know, they definitely visually wanted to pay homage to the games and where it came from. And I think they did a really good job with that. And again, this is... You know, I wish we could have kept Raul Julia, and although this may not be, like, an overall, like, quality film, I think it's uh, a pretty good one for him to go out on, honestly, because he really gave it his all, and he was fantastic in it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, definitely on the Raul Julia front, like, it, yeah, as his last film, it's uh, it's a good, yeah, I, I would say, a good performance to go out on. He makes this film 100%. Absolutely. It's the best best part of it. So, uh, so star ratings on Street Fighter. Mm, I think I'm going to have to give it a 4 out of 5. I also give it a solid 4 out of 5. As an like if we I was looking at it as just an adaptation to probably score like a 3.5 or a 3. Yeah. Uh, but like as an action comedy movie, which is what it fucking is. Uh, yeah, 4 out of 5, no doubt. Yeah, even on its IMDb page, action adventure comedy which i think it's uh you know yep. does a good job in all three Absolutely. of them so the movie is a success in my book because it succeeded in what it wanted to do well as always guys email us at moviefilmsbillandsteve.gmail.com with your favorite street fighter character and uh pick another street fighter character give us an erotic fan fiction about their first date on prom night <laughs> and what they'd be doing i mean is he is uh ryu gonna slip it into ken i don't know they took make up your own fantasy it's your they life and, of course, you can find all of our episodes on moviefilmsandbillandsteve.tumblr.com. We are, of course, on Facebook and on iTunes. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, and a five-star review. And just copy and paste your erotic fan fiction and put it in the review. Uh, that'd be great. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Bill. You can check out my films, www.silverspotlightfilms.com. You can check out the Facebook page for all of the updates, facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms. Go check out the Carousel trailer if you not have if you have not done so yet. I think it's a good trailer. It's a nice minute long, no major spoilers. That throws off a few... It shows you a few of the kills, but all of those are from, like, the first act, the first, like, half of the movie. It's none of the spoiler deaths. So you're not, like, going to see something amazing and be like, oh, well, that character clearly doesn't make it. Clearly. And, of course, you can just look at me in spandex, uh, facebook.com slash theamazingspidersteve. I now have a thong, so you're welcome. God, are you ever going to shut up by your thong? No. Well, I'll never shut up by my sweet-ass DDR machine. The little Johnny will <laughs> just adore. I love them. Fantastic. Uh, well, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. Did Nicholson show up for the premiere of Batman dressed as the Joker? I don't think so.